0: Today, the importance of the founder's story, working with limited resources, and much more. Are you a leader trying to get more from your business and life? Me too. So join me as I document the conversations, stories, and advice to help you achieve what matters in your life. Welcome to Unbound with me, Chris Dubois. Anne Laffin is the founder of Finn Marketing Management. As a marketing problem solver, strategist, and content creator, she helps entrepreneurs and founders grow and amplify the inspiring work they bring to the world. Ann's worked with dozens of startups from Pre-Seed to Series A and serves as a partner, helping to figure out the right tools, strategy, and messaging to make dreams a reality. And today, we're going to hear just how she does it. Anne, welcome to Unbound.
1: Thank you. I'm so happy to be here.
0: I guess let's just jump right into your uh, your origin story.
1: Yeah. So I actually began my career in market research, which is kind of a cool place for a marketer to start, to be honest with you. It gives you really interesting insight, cheesy pun here, um, as to how consumers act and think, and you get to work with a lot of big brands. Um, so it was a really nice place to start a marketing career. From there, I kind of moved and I did this dance between actually financial services and market research for several years until I landed at a, um, a small financial planning startup. And that was when the I got bitten by the bug, the startup bug, and I just loved it. I loved the vibe. Um, I loved the fast pace. Uh, some days I didn't love it and it was really hard, um, but I learned to love that too. And I decided I really wanted to start my own gig right in the middle of the pandemic because that seemed like the right time you know and um and but it's been great and so now i i have my marketing consultancy that is just geared towards working with early stage startups and um it's exciting it's challenging it's 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 mine
0: <laughs> right awesome yeah. so one of the challenges of working with an early stage startup is that you don't necessarily have the reach and you know the the finances to just throw up problems, yeah. Uh, and so a lot of it comes down to the founder, you know, being that critical piece, yeah. and the founder's story being what gets everything going. Yep. Why? Uh, I mean, why else do you need to focus on just nailing that story if you want to be successful?
1: I think that it's easy to get lost in um, product features and benefits and things like that, but the founder story is kind of the heart and soul of a startup. And I don't think you can just sell products or services on heart and soul, you know, at least not forever, but it does make your startup human it, and uh, it makes it unique and at the same time it can also make it relatable. So I think it's really important to be able to shed some light on, you know, why is this company here? Why does it matter?
0: Right. And so how do you kind of balance blowing up that story right making it the big thing but still ensuring that your entire marketing strategy is cohesive and
1: works i feel like it's just one piece of the puzzle to be perfectly honest with you right like you just can't let's say we were doing you know 30 social posts a month they can't all be about founder story right they still have to be about other things too so to me i think you use the, the nice word there of balance there still has to we still have to address how your product addresses the needs of your audience. Um, so it is, it's tricky. It's a balance.
0: (laughs) Right. And even just getting that across, like that story kind of bought in by your team to make sure they're pushing it. Like, I'm sure there's challenges just in that.
1: That's a really good point for sure. I mean, it can't, the founder story, right? It's not, it it should not be something that's fabricated, right? Like that is, it is the, the, why the company is there. So I think that's an interesting point to bring up too, yeah, but the team needs to needs to be all in on that. They can't if they're if they are waffly or they don't buy it. customers are not going to buy it either. Investors aren't going to buy it. So I think that's a really interesting point.
0: Awesome. I like making interesting <laughs> points. <laughs> uh, so uh, I guess what so what are the common mistakes that you're you're seeing with early stage startups specifically?
1: Um, they're my favorite, which is inconsistency, uh, lack of cohesiveness, not having a plan. And those are not slights or me pointing fingers. It's just kind of what I've observed. And really that comes from lack of resources, lack of time. You know, if we can, I suppose we could bucket that into the resources bucket. Um, but you know, if you are a founder, maybe you have a VP of sales, you know, like maybe you've got two or three people, you don't necessarily have time to make sure. What's on the, the messaging on the website mass, uh, matches the messaging on your two or three social posts? Match, You know what? It, so you get this sort of patchwork quilt of um, tactics and strategies. And um, it doesn't usually work all that well.
0: <laughs> yeah, I have noticed that working, working with startups, yeah. it's like the, you don't know what's going to work and what doesn't work yet. Yeah. And so you want to try as many things as possible, but by dabbling, you're not actually trying anything and you're making these trade-offs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, okay. Let's actually, let, let's follow mm-hmm. that thread. Um, you can't just try everything, yeah. right? You got to get kind of really specific on what you're working on. So when you, how do you approach like messaging when working with a startup to actually make sure you're nailing the messaging and not just trying <laughs> 30 different things to see what sticks?
1: I, um, I did not come up with this concept. I'm sure many people that are listening have heard of Simon Sinek, um, but they start with why is what I base a lot of my messaging off of. So I will start with why does the company exist? Why are we here? Why, why do your customers need it? And then I answer the basic questions. I move from that to what does it do? How does it work? You know, when, who? I answer the basics. Because if you can nail all those, people are going to understand, but it's just, they can easily attach themselves to your service or your product, right? They can say, oh, this is for me. Yes, I have that problem. Yes. I would really love if someone could help me with that. Right. Here's how. It sounds so simple. It's not always that simple, but that is the framework that I follow every single time.
0: And then you just go about testing it. By-
1: yes. And then it's testing, right? Yeah. I mean, I made that that is a very condensed version, right? You also need to think about um, okay. your audience, right? Where is your audience too? That's the other thing. Um, and you have to of course, you have to test it. you've got to do a lot of there's a lot of uh conversing that has to happen between your audience and uh, after you make this messaging. and so one of the things I say a lot is if you're not talking to your customers regularly about the decisions that you're making you're you're making a leaving a lot of room for error and you're leaving a lot of unknowns, uh, which is really scary. Right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Especially in yes. that space. Uh, so I guess if you're having resource issues mm-hmm. and you're, you know, feeling strapped, one of the ways to get around that is to incur a different type of debt, which would be investors taking on investments. Yeah. Uh, I know you've worked with companies to help secure investments as well. What are some of the recommendations you have for, uh, for kind of preparing even like not just getting the funding, right. Having that in conversation, but like, what can you be building right now within your company in order to kind of make it more of a sure thing?
1: I think you need to be prepared to answer the question. Like why now, why should you win? Those are two questions, not just one question, but I think you need to be prepared to answer both. And, um, and no waffling on that either, right? There's a lot of people looking for funding right now. And, um, you know, you can be as buttoned up as you can, right? You could have your, you know, your ideal customer profile set up. You can have, um, you know, you can have your first set of customers. You can have some sales, you know, numbers. You can have your founder story. Like you can have those pieces pulled together, but I think you really need to be able to really state clearly like why is it us? Why why us? Why do we deserve to win this? Um I don't know. I stand by that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and I think a lot of the how you set up the founder's story mm-hmm. probably builds that up just in an investor's yeah. mind, right? Yeah.
1: Well, they play nicely um, together.
0: <laughs> right. And we're we're creatures of of habit, I guess, or that we we will always go towards yeah. story. And suffer. And so, why would investors be different? They're just people with money.
1: <laughs> I mean, you know, and, and the other thing is, too, right? Not everyone, not everyone, not in every investor is the right fit for your company either. So, I think that's where, again, like having a story that is relatable or human and being willing to share kind of those pieces, again, you'll find that hopefully find the right fit in your investors, too. So,
0: right. Yeah. See, when you can see when that story actually resonates. With the right. person that they might actually be a great fit. Yeah, that I haven't thought of it like that. It's a, um, okay, so we're let's say we secured some funding. We're now focused on just growing rapidly because we can throw money <laughs> on our problems. Now, perfect. How do we how do we go about balance? Or really, how do yeah. you go about balancing acquisition versus like retention marketing in order to to grow the brand? I
1: um, I sat on a webinar recently, and they brought up this this problem, right? Common problem. And, um, she explained it in a way that I really liked, which is kind of like, it always seems like you are, um, moving from what, like one leaky bucket to the next leaky bucket, right? So maybe you move over to acquisition and you're working really hard on acquisition. And while you're doing that retention is failing, right? Or there's, there's a new hole that forms there. Um, I mean, in the early, early days, to me, you have to focus on you know, attracting new clients. It's where the, it's where the time has to go. It's where the dollars have to go. You need, you need to prove you can actually sell a product, right? So you need customers. Um, but at some point, I don't know if I can give you an exact point of how many customers when, you know, right. But you have to make sure Hey, are we, are we following up with our current clients? Right. Do we know if they're happy? Are we sending them regular communication and updates about the company? Are we, do we have some kind of automated sequence that follows through after they buy? Right. So while, while the early days are definitely focusing on attracting, building awareness and those things still have to happen even after you have customers, obviously Um, you know, I think once you get into a nice steady rhythm with Attracting more customers, making sure you have at least those key automations, email sequences to make sure you're not ignoring your poor customers that were excited to come on board, uh, is essential.
0: Actually, yeah. Now, just thinking yeah. through some of that more, like even working on retention and keeping those customers happy now feeds your referral engine and everything 100%. else. So.
1: Which is another nice tactic, honestly, that if you have some kind of referral program, right? It's, it's like the next layer you can build out. It's I, I do feel like it is a little bit of always trying to kind of like, you know, plug the leaky bucket, right? Because unless you have a massive team, which most early stage startups will not, it's impossible to work on everything all at once. So you have to be comfortable with knowing there may be a few holes somewhere.
0: So going mm-hmm. further down that path, right? You you can't do it all right now. How do you go about choosing what channels you're going to start marketing on? Like it's going to be different for every client obviously, but like what are you kind of using it's, for your
1: yeah. uh, criteria? So I mean, I always one go and look I look at the website first. We talk about content. Um I've done a lot of email marketing, so I still love email marketing, social media. Um, you know, paid paid channels are not my favorite. However, um, I think that can be a really nice place to build up some awareness. A lot of my, like a lot of my early stage companies, they just don't have the budget to really hang in there to build a lot of traction through paid efforts, but I still think there is some value there. Um, but for me, you know, content, social, um, webinars, conferences, a lot of my clients are still kind of using these very traditional tactics and having a lot of success. So.
0: So I agree with you on the paid because it only gets more expensive. Uh, And when you turn it off, everything just goes away. And it's like, (laughs) so so it's great for like a quick fix or like get more people to a landing page quickly, but it's like the long-term play just feels not, yeah, not as valuable. No, Um,
1: you know, it's funny. I, I've had some clients where they, they really wanted, they were like, we want to do Facebook ads. and I was 99% sure they were not going to perform. And so I told them that. I said, you know, I don't think this is the right option for you. But if you are dead set on doing this, we will, we will try it, right? Like, I hope I'm wrong. And I think there, ha- there does have to be an element of give and take with clients, right? So if they really want that, my, I feel like my job is to let them know, provide my expertise, say we will try it, and then hope they have the flexibility to halt if things don't go as planned. Um, right so
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, you did bring up a great point though about using it to just build awareness
1: yeah.
0: even um, I, I had run a LinkedIn campaign for a client emerging market so like not a lot of people even knew uh-huh. about it but through through an ad people were like whoa this exists <laughs> and just like just curious from that and like landing page didn't do as well because people weren't necessarily ready to yep. change their mind but the number of people that clicked on it was like yep I mean like eight percent wow. you know, click throughs. Yeah. Like it was, it was huge. Uh, But, uh, yeah. yeah, So,
1: so, but I think that it brings up another good point of just being strategic then about, okay, if I don't really have the budget or the resources to like truly bring in leads through paid right now, is there a way I can use it for me now? Um, and do I have someone that can run it? You know, I mean, there's so many questions that go into uh, the marketing mix, but, you know, I feel like there's always a way.
0: <laughs> yeah. Actually, I'm I'm gonna throw this okay, question go, out. Do I don't I don't know the okay. answer. Uh, why do <laughs> so many big companies spend money on just their brand name and branded search terms for paid ads? Oh God! When you, generally people skip over the the paid like anything that says sponsored yeah. or ad, yep. but they're paying for their own brand name. If I search for that, I'm probably gonna just go to your company, yeah. but. I, it- Anyway, it never made sense to me. Maybe you know. I I
1: don't know, and I—it's actually—it's—it's a little weird to me. It's almost like maybe just so that they their competitors can't beat them out in their own brand name. It's the only thing I can think of.
0: Yeah, I didn't think about Um, that,
1: but it's a little wacky, especially if you're a very well-known brand. It's like, right? I I actually. As a marketer, I 100% will skip over the ads and be like, I want to be mindful of your budget. Like, literally,
0: like Right.
1: <laughs> you don't need my clicks. Yep.
0: <laughs> I've definitely done the opposite on competitors That's and fair. said, here you go. <laughs> uh, take that 15 cent click. <laughs> uh, so one of the things we were talking about in the pre-interview was mm-hmm. uh, just the importance of breaking things down into parts yeah. to be able to, going get after our, our targets better. Yeah. Uh, do you want to kind of share some of our thoughts uh, around yeah, that? Yeah,
1: I have. I mean, I I thought about this answer a bit, and I want to even break that down a bit further. There's to two, two pieces, which is actually one is triage. So breaking down just the amount of overwhelm into parts that you need to look at first. So I think mean that's actually hugely important in a startup is to be able to be like, what do we actually need to work on today? Um, I will frequently see. Uh, the to-do list become a runaway train, and it's at that point that I'm like, we've gotten into this place where this of overwhelm. Let's triage, and then it's breaking those pieces down into how are we actually going to accomplish this? It's, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm I am speaking for myself here, but I think other people experience this too, which is there's just always so much to do, and that can just lead to paralysis of getting anything done. So breaking those big problems down into just bite-sized pieces of what are we going to do this week? What has to happen first? What, ha- what to get to the last piece? Um, to me, it's the best way to get through the world of startup <laughs> overwhelm.
0: <laughs> right? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that makes sense. the The book Essentialism uh-huh. by Greg McCowan like revolutionized my efforts. Uh-huh. So. I keep buying it for people, even though I need to get him on the (laughs) podcast at some point, just to, I bought enough of his books. I can talk to him now. Smart. (laughs) Um, Okay. Startups. We get the people, we get the right people in place. We got the right processes. Now we can start looking at tools and platforms. You help companies with figuring out what's right for them. How do you, how do you approach that?
1: So I feel super cheesy about the answer that I'm about about to provide you, but... I'm excited for it now. Perfect. Okay. So, I mean, again, I work with early stage companies, which often means they're a patchwork quilt. So it's laying the foundation for tools, which is you need a CRM. You need to be able to track the customers you're talking to and the activity that you're having. You need an email marketing tool, right? Even if you send out one newsletter, a month, a quarter, or something, we need to have a way to track opens, clicks, to be able to test, it's important, right? I'm going to assume we're going to be doing organic social media at the minimum, right? We need a tool for that. We need to be able to schedule, to automate, um, again, to track what's happening, performance, all these things are key. And then I love things like um, uh, Canva for graphics. Again, this is assuming we don't have a huge team, we don't have a lot of resources, these can be, you know, great grammarly to help make sure the writing is 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 sharp and buttoned up, um, and just getting these kind of basics into place. Right? There's other there's SEO, a few SEO tools. Even now, there's also some AI tools I might start recommending to help with just um, making the team feel bigger than it is. And I think that's kind of the you know the the purpose of the tools that I recommend are really it's it's to make a process more streamlined, actually get a line of sight on what's happening with your marketing um, without being hopefully overwhelming.
0: I very much appreciate your approach (laughs) Um, specifically honing in on the, making your team feel bigger than it is. Cause I've talked to so many companies who want to adopt technology so they don't need as many team members, Uh, but it's, but it's like, it's either expand or exploit. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so like, why would you not expand, get your team now doing way more? You can provide more value, with the same number of people. I just, yep. it seems, uh, seems yes. to make more sense to me, but not, I'm not the one paying their bills. <laughs> so I guess that's the,
1: I'm, I am with you. I, I feel yeah. the same. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> um,
0: so, okay. If uh, I guess this doesn't matter if I have funding or not, uh, there's only so much marketing you can be doing period and at some point you might have to outsource it Um, yeah how do you especially with early stage companies who don't have a big team but they also probably don't have a big budget how do they go about how do you make recommendations to you know whether they should actually outsource everything or just figure out how to do it in-house
1: yeah so i think the answer to that is that the founder needs to have or if there happens to be a head of marketing you know a good hard look in the mirror about what is it that you really like working on? What do you truly have the skill set to work on? Not something and, and actually it can and in fairness, it can also be what do you enjoy working on too? Most of the time I have found that marketing is something that it's not necessarily their primary skill set. Um not that's not always the case, but some, you know, sometimes it is. And, you know creating content from scratch, you know, sending out emails that it's just not really in their wheelhouse. And finding someone that can be a partner to you to help with those things can really free up, you know, a founder's time so that they can focus on the pieces of the business that they are amazing at. Right? I mean, everyone has a piece that has a skill set that they are amazing at strong at love to do like those are the things that you should do. The things that do not fall in that list, see if you can get rid of them.
0: <laughs> right. So on a different episode of, a, of the podcast, I'd met with uh, Clint Rush, who mm-hmm. shared this idea, uh, just in case someone wants to go back and hear it. Uh, <laughs> but he talked basically a quad chart and you have, you know, one side, the stuff you're good at, stuff you're bad at, and then the stuff you like and the stuff you don't like. Yep. And a lot of leaders are really good at keeping the stuff they like and that they're good at, you know, moving some of the other stuff around. But a lot of times they get stuck in this the stuff they like, but they're bad at and they don't realize it. Have you had to help people work through like, hey, I know you like this, but like, it's not, it's not your forte. And then we shift it to
1: someone else on the team. It, so yes, is the answer to that question. Um, that's hard because I think the other thing that happens with founders and rightfully so. So this is not, a, again, this is not a slight, this is often their company is a baby, right? Like they built it from potentially nothing, built it from the ground up. They are so proud of it. They are so ingrained in it. And it can be really scary to let go of some of these pieces and give them to someone else to work on. And like, I get it because I am also a founder. I'm not a startup founder, right? But it is I sometimes I think to myself like no one's no one's going to understand as much as I do no one's no one's going to get it and then I'm like oh my god like I'm I'm my client right now you know and um, I get it but having that such a strong attachment to pieces of your business and thinking perhaps you are good at them doesn't ultimately help anyone and so. <laughs> It's an honest it's a difficult conversation but it's an honest conversation and one I think if you can attack it from a business perspective of just being like look I want to help you like blow the business out of the water to do that we need to free up your time so that you can focus on X, Y, Z. I I can help you do these things and here how I, here's how I can do it here's how I can can hopefully build your trust to know that I will get it done I think that's that's how I approach it yeah Right. Lean into the, yeah. the
0: idea of winning yeah. rather than just doing what you enjoy.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, well, awesome. <laughs> and this is, we this has been like an action packed episode. <laughs> Lots of good, good tips in here. Um, I want to move into our, our, I don't, I keep calling them rapid fire questions, okay. but I don't, all right, what do we got? We're going to go semi-slow. We'll go at our own okay. pace. Uh, first, what book do you think everyone should read?
1: Okay. So, I always screw the name up of this, which are two very different things, but it's called The War of Art. Have you heard of this? Have you read this?
0: Okay. Yeah, Stephen Pressfield.
1: So I love this book so much because it's the idea of of resistance, right? This kind of the theme of this book. And to me, it's the thing, right, that it keeps you from... Going to the gym, as he kind of says, like starting your diet, starting your business, being the person that you are ultimately supposed to be. And I remember when I read that, it you know I was was early on in starting my own business, and I just got it right. Like there's so many times where you could be like, ah, I'm good, or maybe I don't need to do this today, or this is so hard, maybe I don't. But I know I knew that in order to really meet my goals, I had to move on past resistance. So I think this book is. Just a good fit for for founders, for entrepreneurs, take a read. It's quite fascinating.
0: Just very good book. (laughs) Uh, What is next for you professionally?
1: So, I mean, just like everyone else, I'm still trying to to figure out some of my own offerings. But I I am actually working on a a LinkedIn Live at the moment. Um, And I am partnering with a colleague of mine. Her name is Alyssa Greenfield and we are pulling together just this presentation on how to find and choose a marketing consultant. We are also um, half of the presentation will be on what we we the consultants look for in clients too. So I think it'll be an interesting uh take on that.
0: Yeah, that's a great way yeah. to uh to approach it. <laughs> uh finally, where can people find you? Yeah,
1: so I am at finmarketingm.com. Um, I would love to, for anyone to reach out. I actually would be very happy to give anybody, you know, a free 30 minutes of consultation if they're so inclined, so they see this.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Well, then, sounds great. Thank you for joining me. This has been awesome. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love a rating and review on your favorite podcast player. And for more information on how to build effective and efficient teams through your leadership, visit leadingforeffect.com. As always, deserve it.